0: Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts and up to date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful life transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: I'm I'm excited to bring the Word tonight. This is something that I feel like God has really stirred in me. I'm passionate about it. I'm fully convinced and convicted about this statement that I want to say and begin with, and that is this that God can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do anything. Okay? Anyone believe that? All right, a few of you guys. That's good. We'll get there. God can use anyone from anywhere at absolutely any time to do anything. God can use anyone. God, God wants to work through and in our lives, but so many times... Uh, We doubt that very reality. Let me remind you of 1 Samuel chapter 14. I know I'm preaching out of a book with my name in it, but I'm a little biased to the first and second Samuels. It's a little messed up, but you know, pray for me. 1 Samuel chapter 14. This is this is a story of the, the man Jonathan who was the best friend of David who we know as the giant slayer and the king and, and all of that the worship leader this is his his home his best friend Jonathan and before the whole battle with the giant which we'll get to in a minute he is also fighting the Philistines and he and and, and the people of God there are kind of squaring off against the the enemy, the Philistines, and they're just waiting around, and Jonathan gets tired of it. He's like, man, I'm tired of this. I want to go kick some Philistine butt, and uh, so in verse, uh, let's see here, verse 6, is Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Just random commentary, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just... Unnecessary addition of words there. Almost like he started just like a, maybe, maybe a little bit of a, a, a slam. You know what I mean? Let's like chucking that out there. Um, perhaps, he says, the Lord will act in our behalf. And then I love this part of the verse. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Whether by many or by few. Jonathan understood something, that nothing hinders God. Nothing has the ability to stop the work of God in and through our lives. Nothing does. Nothing can hinder. The thought of hinder is to like restrain, to hold back, to attempt to box God in. Nobody does that. Nobody can box God in. Nobody can stop or hinder or slow down the purposes of God on earth. And then I love when the way He states it. He says, "Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few." So basically he's saying whether you feel like you got everything you need or you feel like you got nothing that you need has no impact on God's ability to do what he wants to do in and through your life. Come on, because God can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do anything. I'm gonna try to repeat that until it just echoes in your brain all week long, okay? So Jonathan understands. He's like, listen, nothing stops God. Whether I feel like I've, I'm prepared, I'm equipped, or I feel like I don't got what I need, that doesn't stop God. That doesn't factor into God's success equation. Nothing can stop the hand of God. Let me pray, and then I'm going to see if I can convince the rest of this, of this truth. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that you're calling us deeper. You're, you're calling us into greater levels of faith tonight. You're calling us into freedom tonight. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, here's what I know about a phrase that I just said, is that most of us, before I was maybe even done with saying it the very first time, most of you had already began to build your list of reasons why that wasn't true for you. We'd already began to stack up in our minds, yeah, yeah, that's a nice thought, but yeah, but my life is, is not that. You don't understand my situation. You don't know my story exactly. You don't know my shortcomings. You don't know my failures. And we began to stack up. We began to second guess. As soon as I said, God can use anyone, from any, you're already going, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Let me, let me, you want to come up here and grab the mic and explain why they ain't going to work in your situation. You began to second guess. You began to, to doubt God's ability to work in and through your life. And really, that's what the enemy is so good at. He is the great second-guesser, right? I almost call this message the second-guesser. I actually would like to call it that, but the graphic is already made. The second-guesser. The enemy will try to second-guess us, will try to mess with us. It's actually called anything, anyone, which also works. But the second-guesser feels better in hindsight. Okay. So the, the second guesser tries to come along and get you to doubt, get you to, 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 to not believe that God could really do something great in your life. And he's been doing it since the very beginning. Remember that at the start, Adam and Eve, right? Uh, God had given them everything. Of course, it's just classic, right? They have the whole planet. Why are they hanging out by the one thing they can't have? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it was like, a, like I have two little kids. It's like classic kid move. You know what I mean? <laughs> to want the one thing you told them you can't have. You know what I mean? And it's so human nature of us to do that. And here's Adam and Eve. They're kicking it by the tree. They shouldn't be hanging out by. And um, and that enemy begins to talk to him and says, hey, have some of the fruit. And um, Eve's like, yeah, we're not actually supposed to have this because we'll die. And then what does the devil say? Did God really say, right? Right off the bat, His whole agenda has been to second guess the word of God. Been to second guess what God has said to your life. And whenever God has spoken, whenever, every week when you come and you're getting these messages, you're getting these words, and you're getting God pouring into your life, and then what does the second guesser do as soon as you leave this building, starts to get you to doubt it, starts to get you to believe that that's not true, that's not for you, that's not your situation, that's not going to be your story. Gets us to begin to doubt that. Not only just doubt maybe our abilities, but also to doubt the goodness of God. Because what does the devil says? Oh, they go, we'll die. And he goes, no, no, you're not going to die. You're actually going to be like God. And in essence, God's holding out on you. God's reserving something good from you. God's not really giving you everything that he really could and gets you to begin to doubt the goodness, begin to doubt the the favor of God. And this second-guessing reality begins to mess with us and take us out. And before you know it, the enemy has found his way to neutralize us and to sabotage the gifting that God has put in each and every one of us. Because God has spoken life and God has spoken favor and destiny and purpose and potential, but then you got that stupid second-guesser <laughs> coming at you. The key is to second-guess the second-guesser, right? Come on, somebody. We got to second-guess him. We can't let the devil have the last word. You know, uh, David, kind of flipping forward a couple of chapters into 1 Samuel. Again, Samuel, still in that book, hanging here. 16 and 17. Um. We get in the story where David is first being called by God to be the next king of Israel, kind of a big deal. So the prophet Samuel is told by God, hey, go get Jesse and I'm, gonna, I'm calling one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. Pretty big day, pretty big, big for Jesse. You know what I mean, that's pretty cool. You're about to become a part of the royal family. This is gonna be sweet. Life's about to change, right? So he calls all of his kids, all of his boys in, they line up. Prophet comes in, he's getting ready to knock the king. He kind of goes through the whole lineup and God's like, nope, none of these are it. So Prophet's pretty confused because he's usually fairly accurate. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's usually pretty dialed in. So he's like, What what's going on here? He's like, Is there anybody else? You had any other kids? And Jesse's like, Oh, that's right. There is one more. He's out in the field, right? And I'm trying to, trying to process Jesse's situation here. Either he's a punk or I thought, you know, maybe he's just got a lot of kids and he thought David was in the lineup. You know what I mean? Anyone have a lot of kids in your family? I grew up in a family of six kids. I got left a lot, Okay. <laughs> So being left out in the shepherd field is like standard operation when you grow up with six kids in your family, because you can't keep everybody on track. After four, it's a crowd, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you don't really know. You don't know if you got your kids or not. You know what I mean? So many times, if my parents drove two cars to church and then left church, there's at least one to two of us still hanging at church. You know what I'm saying? That was pretty standard, okay? And then growing up, I would do sports, right? And when you have six kids simultaneously doing sports, you can't be at every event. You can't be at every game. You can't be at every practice. So, you know, we'd kind of take turns getting abandoned. And uh, <laughs> counseling's working out great, though, so um. Almost through it. So one time specifically, I'm at, you know, baseball's done, practices. I think this was just a practice and everyone's leaving and my family, if they're watching, sorry. And my family, you know, a little bit late, notoriously, you know, and uh, so family's not coming yet and everyone's kind of leaving, everyone's ride's coming. And if you know you're part of a family that was always late, you know how you used to start having to dodge it because you're just so embarrassed about always being picked up late. You start going, oh yeah, my do family's gonna be here, yeah. They're, they're coming for sure. This was before cell phones. So there was literally no confirmation that I was ever going to get picked up. <laughs> they literally, uh, they, I could literally be done. You know what I mean? And um, it, and so, you know, and then you start dodging coaches and trying to avoid, you know, and uh, do I hear a couple of awes in the crowd? Oh, that's cool. That's nice. I appreciate the compassion. That feels, that feels good. You know, it's healing that. Ten-year-old version of me. Anyways, um, so one time I'm out there. I've kind of dodged everybody. I'm literally the only human left in kind of this ball field area, and nobody's coming. And then guess what? It starts pouring rain. Now, no buildings to run into except a porta potty. That's my only safety. So I go in the porta potty, but then I gotta stand up on the toilet seat to see out the little slats to see if my parents are coming. Right? (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going to describe how the experience was inside. But (laughs) then after some time, I don't know how long, I blacked out a little bit. But um, (laughs) after some time, all of a sudden, that Ford Econoline van, right? Only thing that could fit eight people back then. Didn't have cool cars for big families back then you had a big old van, big sliding door, you know what I'm saying? That gray van with the red racing stripe. Come on somebody, okay? So that's what we have. So that thing all of a sudden just ah, comes flying into the parking lot, right? Getting on two wheels. My mom's just hustling in, right? And I think the thought is like, "Hey, if I screech in, he'll know I feel bad about leaving him." You know what I'm saying? Maybe it'll maybe it'll maybe it'll ease the pain a little bit. You know, uh, <laughs> something So I'm thinking maybe that's Jesse's situation. Maybe he just forgot David. Some of y'all thought there was going to be a point to that story. There's not, there's not. (laughs) Tonight's sponsored by Kirkland also. But actually, the reality is um, many scholars believe that part of the reason David was left off the roster was not because he forgot him, but actually because he was an illegitimate son of Jesse's, a product of an affair. That's why he was described very different. He was always kind of set apart. His brothers hated him. And so he was left off off the roster from the beginning. And so already God's wanting to call this guy. And right from the get-go, dad's second-guessing this guy's ability to even be selectable right he rolls in of course and the prophets like this is it this is God's anointed so it's cool it's a great moment I'm sure that made his brothers super happy and uh so they hated him even more from that point on and but you know David goes back to the field it's business as usual then uh battles starting to pick up with the Philistines and so Jesse's older sons are off at war and some time goes by and, and dad's like hey David grab some food go to your brothers. I need a report. Tell me what's going on. He shows up to the battlefield to see his brothers. And as he's hanging out there, the, the giant Goliath shows up on the scene. He begins to give his taunt. He begins to give his kind of mantra, his threat against God and against the people of Israel. So he kind of does this deal. Well, everyone's in fear, but David is like mad. You know what I mean? David all of a sudden responds a little differently. He's like, who is this guy? How dare he talk about our God like that? Who's taking him out? So he starts flapping his gums, just talking about it, getting mad. Who's going? Who's going to take this guy out? I can't believe we're letting him even speak to us like this. And so he's going on and on about it. Then he finds out, you know, um, you know what will happen if you actually beat the giant? You get no taxes. Praise him. That'd be sweet. And then you know, you get to marry the king's daughter. So he says, "Show me a photo." You know what I mean? <laughs> So it must have been pretty solid because he, he's like, I'm fighting this guy. But here's again where more of the second guessing begins to come in in, in David's story. First Samuel 16, um, actually it's jumped down to, to 17. As David is creating this commotion, 17 verse 28, it says, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? Uh, and here, look at, listen to the backhand. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. This dude's basically just exposing his own heart, right? But here David is trying to do something, trying to step out. He's getting second-guessed, getting his motives second-guessed, getting his, his heart second-guessed. We must make such a commotion that finally the king says, all right, David, come on in. David kind of begins to give him the speech about how he wants to take out the giant. The king's not very encouraging. In 17 verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able. That's not a great start to the speech from the king. You know what I'm saying? You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Second guessing his qualifications. Second guessing what he could do. Then he finally somehow convinces the king to let him go out and take out the giant which is insane. I mean, we read it like, oh yeah, totally cool, makes sense, because we know that he beats him. But in that moment, the king rests the entire future of that nation on a young boy who is not trained as a, as a warrior, right? With pretty much like two, uh, two things on his resume, bear, lion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like it's real long. It's not, you know, there's not a lot of testimonies. He just said he did it. And now the king's like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like the ultimate negotiator. You know what I mean? I was never a great negotiator as a kid. I had a couple brothers, though, who, I had one brother. I mean, he just negotiated the heck out of, nothing was no. That's actually my oldest daughter, Mercedes. No is not a real word to her. You know what I'm saying? No just means, okay, that option didn't work. What about this, right? (laughs) That's, that's, that's her, her strategy. Okay, so David is going to battle. he's, Meeting the giant. He gets the stones. He gets the sling, right? He's coming at this guy. And now we get the second guesser, Goliath, coming at him. Verse 41, it says, The Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept moving closer to David. He looked David over. He saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. Again, just random commentary from the giant about the good-lookingness of David. And it says, And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come out at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. So here we got the second guesser in his face. Goliath is a great representation of the enemy in our lives, and he's taunting us. He's, he feels larger than life. He's, he's, he's calling our demise out. He's, he's saying it's over, you're done. All those dreams of being a king, all those things about what you feel like you're called to do, it's about to end right here in this moment. And you got the second guesser coming at him and coming at him strong. And then David, he second guesses the second guesser. In verse 45, David said to the Philistine, you come at me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Uh, uh, The Lord of... uh, All right, let me start that verse over. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the angels, armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses. This gets raw in case anyone needs to plug their ears. Carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. So David doesn't let this guy have the last word. He second guesses it. He comes back with the truth of God's word. He comes back with the authority that God has given him. And and he defeats the giant that day. He has this unbelievable victory and and, and Israel's saved and, and freedom comes because David steps into who he is, trusts God, doesn't hold back, doesn't measure the giant to himself and choose to retreat and look at his limitations. He goes after, he second guesses the second guesser because he understands that his limitations don't limit God. And Jonathan and David both understood that my limitations don't limit God. I'm telling you what, no matter what your stack up of limitations are, they do not affect the hand and the power of God to do what he wants to do in your life. They don't limit God. They don't stop God. They don't. They don't. Because God can use anyone, from anywhere, at any time, to do anything. Come on, anybody believe that? God can use anyone, from anywhere, at any time, to do anything. Your limitations don't stop God. They don't slow him down, not even for a second. God can do anything in and through our lives, amen? Yes. All right, let me kind of walk through those phrases a little bit, and then we'll pray. First thing that we've been saying is God can use anyone. And I actually mean anyone, right? That's not just a nice little cliche line. If you're the one who in the room and said, not me, then no, I, I'm actually also talking about you, Right? I can use anyone. Think about when Jesus selected the disciples. They weren't on like the A-list of top seminary Bible college graduates trained in apostleship. They weren't, they weren't that, right? Jesus calls them into the work that he had for them. But then later on, there's commentary about these guys, right? It says that they marveled at them. They, they were in shock about these 12 guys because it says that they were untrained, ordinary men, right? There there didn't seem to be something uniquely special about their gifting. They're they're untrained, but God used them. And the Bible says that they turned the world upside down, right? And you and me are sitting in the room because of those untrained ordinary men. Because Jesus trained them, developed them, released them, set them on fire to, to change the world. And now you and I are sitting here, not because of the most highly qualified people, but because of people who are just willing to say yes to God, be willing to be used by God in their life. God can use anyone, absolutely anyone. God can use your life. God wants to. God wants to work through your life to impact uh, this culture, this city. God wants, man, if you're passionate about the arts, man, God wants you to use your life, right? If you're passionate about politics. God wants to use your life in that area. You're passionate about uh, expanding in business and, and creating wealth and global domination. God can use your life. If you're called to change a city and, and, and step into ministry, you feel called to do that. God can use you. Too often we disqualify ourselves. We look at our limitations. We, we, we unselect ourselves from the possible options of God being able to use our life because we, we look at our, our lack instead of just trusting what God said about our life. Right? God can use absolutely anybody. And... He can use somebody from anywhere. Anywhere. Right? You don't have to have all the right connections. You don't have to come from a certain family line to be used by God. There, there's no prerequisite. God can use absolutely anyone from anywhere. The Bible is full of people who were nobodies that God selected to do something unbelievable. A lot of times we, we, we disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we're in position to, to be used by God because of we're, we just feel like we're nowhere, we're, we're nothing, or we're, um, we're insignificant maybe in the big picture of things. But you know what, I feel like so many of us could probably give uh, their own testimonies of feeling this way. You know, I feel like that's a little, little bit of my story. I'm from Minnesota. I don't come from a, a bunch of money or some specific family line. All I knew is as a young kid, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to make a difference. I had no reason to believe that that was an option for me. <laughs> you know, what I mean I had great parents. I had a great family. It wasn't like I, I grew up in too much, like some horrific backstory. My parents loved me. They loved each other. They loved God. They taught me how to serve God passionately, all that. But there wasn't any specific reason why I would think, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the world. Yet, when you're disobedient and you distrust God and you take a word that God has given you in your heart, and it, whether it's in the written word, whether it's a prophetic word that God has spoken of your life, and you just say, come on, I believe that. Come on, I'm going to change the world. I used to always say as a kid, I want the history books to have to record that I existed, right? Now I'm a little bit more like I want the history you know, to record the Jesus, but um, it's altered a little bit, you know, there was a little bit of a selfish, ignorant childhood thing going on there. But still, I legit still want to change the world. I want there to be a shift. C3 San Diego is going to have to be recorded in the history books. Amen. And and here I get the unreal privilege, like Pastor John was just saying, that those following Jesus' books are in like seven different countries, different languages, and uh, English and Spanish right now, we're translating into Arabic right now, which is super exciting, and uh, so we're going to make a difference in that part of the world, amen? And also, uh, Arab-speaking immigrants that have come to America, too, they need Jesus, right? And uh, so I'm really excited about, about that, but... I'm telling you what, if God can use my life to impact the globe, he can use your life. There's, there's no reason, I had no extra special quality, I was uneducated ordinary, right? And God decided to, to use my life, amen? Um, and he can use it at any time. So God can use anyone from anywhere at any time. The second guesser is so good at this little lie, Right? When you're young, his big lie to you is you're too young. Come on, who who do you think you are trying to step out and do that? Who do you think you are trying to buy a home? Who do you think you are trying to start that business, do that ministry, write that book, uh, create that impact? Who do you think you are? You're too young, wait till you're a little bit older, wait till you get some experience under your belt, wait till you're in, in the next era of life, right? And then if you believe that, then when you get older, then what does he say? You're too old, right? You passed it. You missed it. You, 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 you've missed your moment. And the enemy is so good at playing both sides of that lie to neutralize us, to get us to stop and think that, God, it's either too early or I'm too late. But I'm telling you what, right now is the right time. Right now is the right time. God's going to use your life right now. You know, think about uh, in, in Hebrews 11, The story around Abraham and Sarah, God had given the promise you're gonna have a son. And you're gonna have, you could be the father of many nations, right? It's a pretty big prophecy, and you got no kids. That's a problem, right? And the reality is, it wasn't too hard to believe God for that when they were naturally young enough to actually have kids, right? When it was within the realm of possibility. But now time had gone. Decades had gone. Now they're way too old in the natural. They are done. This is not an option. They cannot have kids. Yet the Bible says that he enabled Sarah to bear a child because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She realized that even though I feel like I'm past Time. even though I feel like it's expired, even though I feel like this is over, I'm telling you what, I'm going to trust that God is able to do something and that now is still an option, that God's able to do something right now in my life. You know, I think a lot of times that, that can end up getting us in trouble. Like Sarah, she was naturally past the option, no, no, no longer a reality. And so when we feel like we can naturally work out the plan to get where we feel like God has called us to go, we're good. But then something changes. Some some changes something drastic or something minor, but all of a sudden, now the path that you saw so clearly worked out in your mind to get where you wanted to go is no longer an option. And then you begin again to freak out. Well, maybe that's not real. Maybe God hasn't called me. Maybe I need to change plan. Maybe I need to stop believing in that dream. Maybe it was just a, a fantasy, and not a real call from God in my life. But we have to understand that God is not limited by our timelines. God is not affected by our natural timeline issues. If God has called us, if God has spoken to you, if God has called you to do something, that He can do it at any time, at any time in your life. Amen? At absolutely any time. I'll have the band come up and, and join us here. At any time. And lastly, to do anything. Yeah. To do anything. Man, God can use us to do anything. All throughout the Bible, we see so many examples of God doing the impossible with people who are just willing to say yes to God, willing to be available, willing to be uh, say, okay, God, I'll go for it. And I think a lot of times we, we assume... That God can only do things that seem like within our natural uh, capacity to do them. So we don't realize that when God is calling you to do something, it may seem out of the ordinary to you, but that doesn't mean God isn't calling you to do it, but he's going to do a miracle. He's going to do something supernatural in your situation. So we need to learn how to trust God and understand that God can do absolutely anything through our lives. He's not confined or defined or restrained or hindered by our lives and our circumstances, right? Think, think about the young Mary. Uh, this is a pretty big deal to be selected. She's like, Israel's got talent. You know what I'm saying? And she wins it. You know what I mean? And, I mean, the angel shows up and says, hey, Mary, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the savior of the world. It's going to be unbelievable. And she gives him a quick timeout, a pretty normal question for a virgin teenager. She's like, cool, but how's this going to happen? <laughs> right? Right? This ain't going to work. I'm not married, and I don't hit the clubs. So how's this going to happen, right? <laughs> but what does is, what is the angel say to her? Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to get involved, right? The Holy Spirit's about to overshadow you. What, what's going to happen in your life is going to be the work of God. It's going to be something supernatural. It's not going to just be all wrapped up in your own ability, Mary. God is going to get involved. And a lot of times we, we shortcut the purpose and the plan of God because we're always trying to do it in our own strength. And we're always going, man, how's this going to happen? But God, how could that happen? But how is that possible in my life? How could you use my life? How would you do that? And God's just trying to get our tenses to to go, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to get involved. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, Right? So God can use our lives to do absolutely anything, not because we have it all together, but because God is able. And God is able to empower us, equip us, resource us, strengthen us. He, he He's able to help us overcome any natural challenge in our life to fulfill the purposes of God in our life. God can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do anything, Right? Anybody believe it? (laughs) All right, I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling it now. God can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do absolutely anything. God's going to use your life. Right now, in this time, this era, this season, God's using us as a church in this season, in this hour, to reach a city that's far from God, who's desperate for hope, who's desperate for the presence and the touch of God. God's using us. God's using you in your business. God's going to use you in your family, in your neighborhood, in whatever sphere God has called you into. God is going to use your life because he's able. He's able. we got to remember like David. Man, David understood that his strength can come from himself. David charged the giant that day not because of his qualifications, but because of God's qualifications, because of God's resume, because of his power and his strength. In Jeremiah 32, verse 27, I love this. God is speaking to us. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Gosh, what a question, a rhetorical question. The God is saying, listen, nothing's too hard. Nothing's beyond my reach. Nothing's beyond my possibility. Nothing's beyond my scope. That dream you think is crazy and big and impossible, it's not. With God, all things are possible, right? With Him, the thing that God has put on the inside of you is going to come to pass if you stay in faith and you continue to trust God, continue to go after it, continue to take steps in that direction that He's called you to do. God wants to work in and through our lives. I hope this week that echoes that God can use your life. He can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do anything come on one more time god can use anyone from anywhere at any time to do anything if you believe it give god a hand clap of praise tonight come on we just got to be like making stay standing we got to be like mary who just said in the impossible situation lord Let it be unto me according to your word. Amen. It's got to be available. we got to make ourselves available. Tonight I just want to pray for anyone who may maybe feel like this word was for you. Maybe you're facing some giants and you're in fear. Maybe that dream that was inside of you, maybe you feel like you've given up on it. Maybe it feels like it's past expiration. Feels like it's impossible. Maybe you've been allowing fear to kind of get the best of you. Get you know, kind of get you to retreat when God's calling you to advance. Maybe some of you have not yet started the dream that you know because of, of fear. Because you've been looking at your qualifications and they're not matching up. Or maybe some of you feel like you're past expiration date on something. A dream is dead and it's gone. I just want to know if, if anything in that kind of zone, that God's kind of speaking and stirring to you. I believe that I want to release his faith strength in your city if that's you go and lift up your hand If, if i'm speaking to anybody okay sounds like it was the right word for tonight then um so if you raise your hand would you make your way out of your seat i just want to pray with you here tonight just come down here to the front we're going to pray we're going to worship
0: thank you so much for joining us online we hope you had a powerful experience We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.